Portobello has a reputation for effective community action. The campaign to save the town hall is just the latest example of this. The Community Council had put out an open invitation to the two parties interested in taking over the building to join an online meeting where their plans could be presented and discussed. Porti Central produced a detailed 36-page document based on the results of its consultations with the community. The Schaufers Company offered a scant page and a half, which indicated that they wanted it to be the new home for a ballet company and theatre school. It also provided a couple of pictures which didn't really add very much to illustrate their thinking. And while Porty Central turned out in force, their rivals failed to appear, which Justin Kendrick for one found shocking. He argues that if they were really interested in consulting local people, they'd have made much more of an effort. They were putting forward something really elaborate, really complex, really nuanced after a lot of consultation, and they haven't, clearly. I mean, nobody I know has, has been consulted by them, though they say they've talked to some folk here. As far as I understand, there are a whole series of questions which the Community Council is going to ask both bids over the next week or so and get answers back and on the basis of that, consult the community. So I think the Community Council is doing a good job of trying to draw out that information from Peter Schaufus. I mean, the information's already there, as far as I can see, from Porty Central. But I was at the community council meeting on Monday that, that covered this issue, and I was really shocked that Peter Schnaufus or representative didn't turn up because it's by Zoom. You can turn up from anywhere, and there's absolutely no need not to be there. And if you've got the, that kind of wealth, then surely you can send somebody along. So to me, there's no sense of community consultation from that side. There's no real wish for dialogue. There's not an engagement with the community. So it's very, very difficult to trust that they really have the community at heart, whatever the vague words are. And there's also the feeling that they are approaching this almost as a done deal, that they have convinced the council that they are a bit like the, the festival theatre or what have you, then they're really going to be part of the wider international festival community. Yes, well, it's always things are presented as done deals. We had that with West Bank, if you remember, where that was presented as a done deal, that Power League was going to sell it and Edinburgh Council was going to get a slice of the money from that. And there was nothing we could really do about it, is what we were told by Edinburgh Council. But we decided that there was something we can do about it. And whenever people actually decide that they want to do something about these situations, we found with West Bank, we found with Belfield, found elsewhere that we can have a really strong effect. And I believe it's the same here, is that we're always told, this is the done deal, this is the only game in town, nothing else will stack up financially. Whereas, of course, that town hall can stack up financially for the community. I mean, with anchor tenants and with it being let out and cared for by the community rather than by, you know, a library service, which is one of the most crucial services in in Edinburgh, I mean, library, maybe the library is the most important building in Portobello, but actually a library service letting out and thinking through how to let out a building doesn't really work. Whereas a community, active community group engaged in that could easily make the money on that going forward. I mean, Dave, can I just refer to another thing, which is people say, how much community space can you have in Portobello? You know, we've got Belfield, you know, we've got the Wash House. How can you have the town hall as well? But you've got to remember that we had the George as a bingo hall. We had the town hall. You know, we had uh, the Wash House. We had, we had not just Belfield, but St. James's Church Hall, St. Philip's Church Hall. We had the Dalriada. We've had a lot of spaces, some of which have closed. So we can definitely sustain that. And with the increased population, massively increased, and potentially at Seafield, that massive increase, we need as much community space as we can. And I mean, one way that I sum that up is they say that when you build more roads, you get more traffic. My understanding is when you create more community space, you build more community. But that brings me to the idea of how you actually manage the assorted buildings, which would actually come together, hopefully, perhaps under one umbrella? 
Well, I, I was really interested in your podcast last week, which I thought was great with Jeff Pearson. He spoke about kind of what was it, the three bears, the large bear being the town hall and the middle bear being Belfield and the small bear being the wash house, you know, in terms of the size of building and what they can then provide for, which I thought was interesting. We've been holding meetings with, we had one last August with the wash house, with those Porty Central folk, with a lot of different groups in Portobello who are either managing or interested in different venues and discuss the possibility of developing a development trust uh, that could overview and coordinate. So it wouldn't decide anything for anybody. Everybody would be autonomous, but it's a place, a meeting place, where issues can be thrashed out to say, well, who should be hiring this venue for what? You know, what's best for where? So that kind of coordination is what we're looking at. And one idea we've got in Action Porty is that we make the Belfield board a kind of trading subsidiary of Action Porty. So we kind of hive off Belfield to manage itself with a lot of this, well, I expect all the current board members would be on that subsidiary board managing Belfield because it's a huge job, <laughs> even if it's incredibly rewarding, it's a fantastic group running it. Uh, hiving that off and then having Action Porty as an overarching development trust that can help coordinate, facilitate, be supportive of new enterprises because it's got a track record that shows it can manage funds, that can pull in funds and be supportive of Porty Central, of the Wash House, of other initiatives that will be coming on. So as a development trust... Is that a, a form of charitable status? Well, we have that. We're a company and we're a charity already. We're owned by our members and our members membership is free to anybody in Portobello who's within the boundaries. So we're owned by the community and we're, we're managed by the community and we can all be chucked out by the community at the next AGM. Check us out. You're very welcome to. Or to change our policies or to help us shape this up. So with then Development Trust would, is simply a, a, a name for this kind of commitment to taking care of the community as a whole. That's not a technical description. That's my understanding of what development trusts do. So they take many forms, but fundamentally you can't have more than one in any area. So it's about a coordination. In a sense, what we would hope a community council would do, but in our current local authority system, community councils can do very, very, very little. So we're looking to put in place something that complements them. The community council is very much a consultative body that consults the community and represents it. It's interest in that way, but we need a body that actually can make decisions that require taking risks that are going to work rather than simply reflecting. Now you're talking in terms of what the community needs to do in terms of this, but surely there is a problem of actually how we involve the wider community of Portobello, not just the people who are living in the Georgian or Victorian houses, but are including, for example, the people in the new flats that are being built along at the, the West End, other places you know, we need to reach out to perhaps other parts to the south of Portobello as well. Absolutely. No, that's a key point. And when we had the West Bank consultation in the town hall that was attended by hundreds of people and it was incredibly vibrant, nevertheless, it didn't include all sectors of the community. And that is absolutely, as you point out, that's totally crucial. I had really convers good conversations with people in Oi Musica and, and others about how you could use music to really involve kids and involve their parents, involve their families, find really creative ways of engaging people in community consultations that aren't about sit down and answer this question or respond to this on screen or whatever else. So we're looking at really imaginative ways of getting out to the Magdalene's, Bingham, you know, other areas and making sure that everybody's involved in this process. I mean, that's if we were to expand the notion of Portobello to being larger, which I think we really need to. It's expanding anyway, and we need to make sure that we're including those who are otherwise marginalized. So I think there's two issues there. One is consulting with those who aren't involved at present, but who are within our boundaries, but also making sure we're looking after people who may be just beyond the current boundaries, but who are very much needing to be supported in this process. So yeah, imaginative ways of consulting and ensuring that they have a very strong voice and that a focus should be on inclusion. And just last point on that, I mean, the Edinburgh Youth Theatre that is the anchor tenant in Belfield is very strong on inclusion. I mean, really strong on it. And that's fundamental that we have in the town hall, for example. I, I personally, I'm not speaking for Port Central, as I say, I'm not, I haven't been in, involved in their process at all, but I 
I really feel that we don't want a, a ballet school run by somebody who doesn't really consult the community, hasn't even turned up to a meeting. We want people running it who are going to allow for real inclusivity, not exclusivity. And that can also include international events, that can include the rest of Edinburgh, but it needs to be grounded in an inclusion of those who are being marginalised within our community already. So inclusion has to be, and it always is, I believe, in development trust, it's the fundamental criteria. So it's ground up, not top down. Absolutely. And if it's ground up, it's sustainable. If you have a dance groups and you have theatres and you have all the rest of it that has come out of people who are living here, then that will inevitably be inclusive of everybody. And it will inevitably last because you have a commitment, not just to the job, as it were, but a commitment to your neighbours and to the people around you. If you come in from outside in that way, I mean, everybody's welcome to be here. But if you're coming in as a company from outside, you're interested in your profit from that situation or your status or your reputation on the world stage, not taking care of those around you. There is a fear, though, that Portobello has been changing dramatically over the last 20 years or so uh, that I have been living here. We are beginning to see things, a significant degree of, dare I say, of gentrification. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge fear. I mean, I spent the first few years of my life on Iona, on the island of Iona. My dad was a Church of Scotland minister, and he then moved us down to Notting Hill in London when it was a probably the worst slum in London because he was very engaged in housing and wanting to house people. And I then saw over my growing up years that place gentrified beyond belief. And so though he'd addressed the housing problem in some ways, in fact, the way that housing was addressed generally was to push people out of areas. And that's in a sense what's been happening here to some extent. I mean, looking at the Dalry of being taken over by no doubt a really nice guy and he's very welcome to be here. But there's somebody who's got the wealth to buy a place like that does suggest that we're in a bit of difficulty if we don't ensure real social housing. And that requires community control of developments such as Seafield. That requires us to be in there rather than responsive. And we found that with West Bank, the council was wanting to make a deal with, you know, a commercial bidder and the community have a nominal say. And we were saying, why doesn't the council work with the community? The council can get the funding it needs out of the process. The community can get what it needs. And one crucial thing it needs is affordable housing. There is a certain amount of time pressure to get things moving. How do we do that? <laughs> well, it's tricky, isn't it? Because we have this COVID process going on. So it is very difficult. But in another way, because of COVID, a lot of us are learning to engage online in the way that you know, we're doing just now. And, and I believe that we can hold a really imaginative, consultative event online. But to have an event that can really be inclusive, we're going to have to be doing that in physically through using music, through using theatre, through using all sorts of ways of reaching people who wouldn't otherwise be reached. But I think the next step is in terms of Action Porty, is the board agreeing if we all do, and I think we are going to agree to have this division of responsibilities, and then taking it to our members in Action Porty and saying, are you happy with this? Are you happy with Action Porty taking on this role? And if the other organisations we've spoken to and the other venues we've spoken to who have said they're keen on this, are still keen on Action Porty taking on that role, then we can do that. And we need to then thoroughly consult the community on what are the fundamental needs here that need to be met, and how do we use the opportunities that we have to meet them? And how do we use the community involvement that COVID has created with the WhatsApp groups and all of the other things, which mean that people actually know their neighbours better than perhaps they've ever done before? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's three things have come through the COVID period. And I'm part of a group of folk who've been doing 100 interviews and I've interviewed a lot of people in Portobello over their experience of the COVID period, especially the early COVID period. And there were three things came through. One was that people really see that their community matters, that their neighbours matters, that their family matters. We have been kind of ignoring each other as we busily get on with our work and, and all the rest of it. So there's a real recognition of what really matters, and that is family and community and, and care and health and security, the need for fundamental security. 
And the second thing is people realize the huge inequalities that exist. I mean, the key work is not getting paid and yet they matter in the way that the bankers really could have vanished on a ship and we wouldn't really have noticed. So there's a recognition of inequality and, and the need to include. And the third thing we realize is that things can change overnight. And I think that's true at a community level. And I guess I'd like to kind of suggest something provocative here, which is that in relation to the town hall, there was a bargain made. I mean, the 1912 editorial in the Scotsman that refers to the agreement between Portobello and, and Edinburgh. Portobello was brought into Edinburgh in 1896. It was incorporated. And the deal was that the Edinburgh Corporation would build and maintain the town hall in Portobello. So if this is being taken out of our hands, out of the council's hands, and out of our hands into effectively private ownership with a bit of something for the community, then that in effect breaks the bargain. And I'd suggest that if that's what happens, we maybe need to think about much stronger community ownership and responsibility. And, and if you remember back in 1885, Portobello was a huge area. You know, on the maps, it stretches right the way over to Arthur's Seat. It was a very large area, which is why it was important to them to incorporate it. It was actually larger than Leith, I think, at that point, in terms of the geographic area, not in terms of physical you know, numbers of people living here was very small. But I'm just suggesting that we do have an ace up our sleeve, that if there isn't agreement that the community needs to be able to have the right to own and manage town hall, certainly own it in, along with the council, then we should maybe suggest there's a slightly more radical alternative. As we found with West Bank, you know, the agreement had been that the council would maintain the pits, the football fields and so on, maintain it as a leisure area. And though that couldn't be legally binding on them, so there's no point taking it up the courts, it was morally binding and politicians need to act on that and they know that if they want to get re-elected. After the meeting, the Community Council started to compile a series of questions that the community would like answered around the two proposals. A substantial number were received by the deadline of Thursday. Many of the key questions revolved around just how much access the community would actually have from the Schaufers Company's proposal were it to be successful. Their brief document had merely promised 200 hours a year, which works out at around four hours a week. What happens now is that each organisation will be asked to respond by the end of next week, with their answers published on the Community Council website.